Hey everybody, this is Tyree and this is Before I Forget. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully you've already subscribed and you've shared. So every time that we put out new content, it comes to you automatically. Today's episode, we're going to talk to Richard Youngblood. Uh, He was a part of our unit with Bravo 126 from 2nd Platoon on over to headquarters. We had a good time talking to him, catching up, tell some good stories about the terrors of being a 50 cal gunner through RPG Alley and some of the reasons why he joined the military and also being a family man in the military during deployment. Once again, thanks for listening. Please like, listen, subscribe, share, and thank you for hanging out with us. Hey, long time no talk. I don't know what the fuck's going on here, man. How are you doing? Uh, did are we back now? Okay, there yes. you are. Yes. What in the hell? <laughs> uh, man, I don't know. I had a phone call come through or something somehow. When I declined the phone call, it shut everything down. Oh, yeah. That's the thing, man. You got to put a sign up on the door that says, uh, says baiting. Do not enter. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, where I left off on my story there. It's, well, you got kind of. No, we gotta. Show. We gotta okay. start. So over. What y'all do here? Okay. Well, yeah. so let's uh from the top. So and don't, don't worry, man, because like Tyree will edit this out. But like, um, yeah. we'll just start like from like the normal banter, and like you know, we'll make the incest joke again, and um, <laughs> and then we'll all laugh about it because it was probably <laughs> like a, a, a really funny joke. You know what I mean? And then yeah, um, I got you. And then, yeah. So, like, like what was that? What was that? So, what were you doing before the army? I was not doing anything, man. I was just sitting around a senior in high school, and I just remembered a lot of time. My grandmother had shown me pictures and things of my grandfather in his World War II time, and all the time that he spent in service, and he had got a lot of medals and done a lot of pretty cool high speed stuff, man. That's what I wanted to do. Did you ever? Do you know what unit he was in, or anything like that? I I do not. I've tried to trace his steps, and right when the army did the whole digital switchover thing, there was so many thousands of records that never got switched into digital. And okay. my grandfather's were one of them. So yeah, so we never. Um, you know, uh, oddly enough, like my stepdad. Um, I know we talked about it in the last episode, but like my stepdad was in the um the army back in the early '60s, and his records right. you know, obviously is before digital, right? But his records. Uh-huh. I guess the, where the, the place where they kept the records in like St. Louis or something went up in flames. And so, yeah, it burnt <laughs> down. Yeah. Yeah. So he, his, his 214, his discharge papers and all that stuff was completely lost until a couple of years ago. I think it was the Social Security office was able to track it down for him. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. So when, yeah, when we had his funeral, we were able to do uh, military honors. Um, I got to be um, part of the flag detail uh, for him, presented it to my mom. Um, awesome. so that, honor, man. but it, yeah, man, it, it really was, uh, terribly sad. Um, but yes. like definitely like probably one of the highest honors I've ever had in my life, but like, you know, that, that may be a route that you, you could look into is, as, uh, is trying to track it down through them. Yeah, I'll try that. I'll definitely check that out. Me too. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, his like, records were, his, yeah. well, his records went up in those flames and his was some that never got to get transferred into digital. So the only thing we ever had of him is what my grand- grandmother personally had was the show was, and that was it. 
and all it was was awards. And he didn't even have award letters, certificates, or nothing. He had his little spot of medals on his uniform and a few pictures, and that was it. And Damn. the stories that he told her. So that's really so what your we got family, out. your family life inspired your joining the military. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. My uncle, uh, I had two uncles that went to Vietnam, and you know they were proud of it. They went and did their stint undrafted. They volunteered to go. You know, right. imagine thinking about Vietnam and not being mm. drafted and volunteering to go to that place, you know. Yeah. We didn't have any idea when I, like, you know, kind of like y'all was, I had no idea we were going to combat. You know, I signed up high school. I was getting out of this little Bodunk town to make something of my life. And the young blood last name is not the greatest last name in this county by any means. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I had to get away from that, you know, and because I, I was stereotyped like everybody else was. So I did, and I actually went to Mets on September 11, 2001, the day the towers got hit. Really? I was, actually, I was actually in transit to leave and go to Fort Benning, Georgia that day. Damn. And I went into Mets and sworn in for our last time, and it was about 7, 7.15 in the morning. And all of a sudden, we're sitting in the waiting room waiting for our bus to get here. And the station commander comes up and says, flips on the TV and just kind of says, everybody, look here. We looked around. This is all logistics. Everything's been shut down. And he turns around, looks at me, and said, you, my friend, are the only one that's joined the infantry. So you're probably going to war. You folks have 48 hours to go back home and tell your family members goodbye. You love them. You never know when you'll see them again and report back. No, so that's what I did. And September 13th, 2001 is when I shipped off to basic training. 30th AG, let me reframe that. Oh, yeah. And how long were you sitting at 30th? Oh, God, it was like four weeks, man. It was at 30th AG. There was people really? everywhere. Yeah, I was there for like four weeks, man. It was ridiculous. Dude, Griff, Griff and I were there for, for, I mean, just under two weeks, man. And that was, I remember writing letters home to like my my parents and my you know siblings and being like this. I don't know yeah. why I joined. This is miserable. <laughs> I hate it. You know what I mean? Regretting life. You know what I mean? Well, I could not imagine about it. sitting there. Yeah, how much weight I gained damn there. <laughs> yeah. You could eat everything. Oh, well, they made me eat double hamburgers every day for every meal damn there, except lunch. Uh, except breakfast. Uh, you were scrawny, man. Yeah. You were scrawny, Ty. <laughs> yeah. It worked out. But no, that's that's pretty much what I did. I went to uh, Echo one nineteen. That was in uh, Easy Echo is what they called one nineteen back in my day. But we <laughs> went to uh man, I went nineteen and... ticketed two. <laughs> back but, in my day you know but i got to you guys uh in germany and one two six great blue spiders there and i guess it was in february of oh two so right, 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 at the, right at the end of the field right did you come yes, out to the field right at us? the end of the, actually no i come at the very last week of the field rotation y'all was in okay and y'all come in as i was in processing and then I mean, I was trying to get command sponsor because I, I, I had a high school sweetheart. I was married at the time, which is a divorce now, by the way. But I had to that's get her command that's sponsor. here nor there. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I had to bring her there and get her command sponsored. So I had to do all that. And by the time I, I got that done. I dealing with that shit. It was a fucking nightmare, kind of. I was a nightmare, dude. I had two weeks we were deploying out to Kosovo. I didn't have no training with the unit. I didn't know nobody. So my big bonding time with all y'all was Kosovo, man. 
I mean, that was a yeah. good, the greatest time of my life. I love that place. Besides, really? I mean, besides Smart, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I love Kosovo. I mean, y'all was talking about one of your episodes about Lieutenant Jerk, you know, uh, Zarpiel. Yeah. Well, yeah. as he got, he got, when they got switched out, we got Lieutenant Montrose, if y'all remember uh-huh. him. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, he was a prior ranger, went green to gold, was enlisted as an E6, E7 before he even become a commissioned officer. So, uh-huh. That man taught me a lot, and he put me as his RTO and his pretty much butt sniffer, I guess you could say. Anything he said, I had to go get. Yeah, but right. it ended up working out for the best because that man taught me a lot, you know, a lot from that he had learned from ranger school. Yeah, no, so, he was a super knowledgeable guy. I remember, so he was an very, E6, E6 yeah. ranger, airborne. I think he had his EIB. He'd even competed in the best ranger competition. I think he came in like second yes. or third. Yeah, he had yeah, um, still up on the wall. Yep. And uh, and uh, he uh, no, he had he had a knife. The winners get the pistol. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, the winners get the pistol. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he went green to gold. I remember in uh, when we were back in Germany, man. Like there were definitely some moments where he couldn't let go being a staff sergeant. You know what I mean? But he was eighty exactly. second all the way. You know what I'm saying? He was all he the was way all American born. You know what I'm saying? E one yes, to E six, and then commissions and come to us. You know what I mean? And yes. uh, yeah, so that yeah, but he was. Very knowledgeable guy. Definitely, you know, knew his shit. Um, yes, he did. Yeah. I'm actually and, you know, surprised he took we me, talked about it. You know, well, I thought about him. I listened to your uh, other episodes when y'all was talking about Kosovo and everything that happened there. And I was thinking about Lieutenant Montrose. You know, he actually pulled me under his wing. when We had to go walk the chicken leg because I was a second platoon with y'all with everybody, you mm-hmm. know, for, mm-hmm. you know, for that whole entire stint. And he pulled me under his wing and just, you know, at times y'all would be out doing uh, different things. He would have me in as his RTO telling me how he ran things, how he wanted things, how he wanted me to answer, you know, radio, how he wanted me to answer the squad leaders because I was to be on his six at all times. So, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't have to worry about a radio, didn't have to worry about comms, no. Uh, that was his one of his main goals, and that was one of his main things he stressed to me was comms, comms, comms. You know, because yeah. that's your most important thing while you're in the middle of an operation is your columns. Yeah, man. I we de- when we deployed Iraq, I was the uh, RTO for uh, Lieutenant yes. Gunther, and uh, I'd say that is that is kind of a stressful job, man. Because yeah. here you are, you're trying to you're trying to relay information to the to the squad leaders on the ground. You're trying to you know relay information for uh, the PL um, or uh, uh, you know com- information coming from the commander. So you got all. All these like all this information coming both directions and like you're like the center of it right exactly well you know that kind of led into my next job actually too is because if y'all remember correctly when we got back from kosovo uh lieutenant montrose was tasked to come the oic of the arms room downstairs mm-hmm. well that's when he pulled me in to take over the arms room that was supposed to be a supplies position uh nco supplies position Mm-hmm. And he told me after he pulled me to the side, actually, and told me, he says, now, Private Youngblood, uh, you're a brand new private in here, and you've had some uh, pretty good experience through Kosovo, and you've got a good head on your soldiers. Would uh, you be my assistant and run this arms room for me? And he physically <laughs> come and asked me if I would do that. Yeah. And he said, he says, you know, I see you got some mechanical skills. I was like, yeah, sure, I'd love to do that. So that's how I got pulled into that. And at the time, the headquarters didn't have one. So when we got back from Kosovo, it was kind of when I transferred over into the unit armor after we went to a Grafenvir rotation. They turned around and sent me back to armament school at Grafenvir. 
Okay. So, yeah, so that's where I left for about six weeks and went to uh, gunsmith school over there, which is pretty awesome, man. You know, it was just an experience I got to have. A lot of people didn't get to. That was pretty neat. Yeah, I, I seem to, I, see, I do seem to remember you uh, going off and doing that. Um, which, when you think about it, man, like when you're in an infantry, uh, you know, unit, um, you don't really expect to be in roles like that. You know, I'm, I'm going to be a no, rifle, not at I'm all. Be a machine gunner. You know what I mean? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But like arms room. Yeah, exactly, man. And here I am. I'm signed for $1.6 million of equipment. You know, I've got to go to the MP station and sign out keys for this and go to the battalion and sign out in a register book of battalion every time I open this place. i got to pick up the phone and call the arms room and get security clearances. And, you know, it's something I was totally unexpected as a brand-new soldier going in the military, you know. Yeah. hadn't been in a full year. That's a good experience, though. That's a it good really experience was. For, for a new soldier. It, re- it really was. It led me to be able to do a lot of other things, you know, because a- after we got done with our Iraq deployment, I ended up PCS in Hawaii and went to 25th, you know, with oh, that shit. unit. I-, I actually, I joined the unit that was attached to us, uh, 114, Golden mm-hmm. Dragons. They yeah. were attached to us through Baton Rouge, Operation Baton Rouge, if y'all remember. Yeah, a company and, of them was. Yeah, a company of them was. Well, I was uh, stationed with Charlie Company, the same company that helped us, that was attached to us. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah, it um, ended up pretty neat like that. Did you uh, did you go on that Afghanistan deployment, um, the one that Heil ended up going on? Because uh, he went to Hawaii, too. Yes. Uh, he at 118, was it 06, 07? I went, to one, I went to one with 118. We got asked to – 118 was our sister battalion over there mm-hmm. with 25th, and um, they were way undermanned. And when they got deployed over – I, the first two months, they just got slammed hard and lost a lot of guys. Man. That's and what I heard. It was it, yeah, it was detrimental, bro. So yeah, I deployed that next. It wasn't even really a rotation. It was almost like a refit because right. they got they lost so many. You know, pretty much come and asked us, and there was a few of us that was pretty fresh, hot off off the deployments, and we were all like, yeah, we're 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 let's go. So. I joined in and got on the light side of it besides the mechanized side. It was pretty awesome. And <laughs> Afghanistan was a completely different fight than Iraq. I will say that. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um, yeah. You know, Iraq, you know, you're talking like, you know, um, urban terrain, you know, houses, buildings, tall buildings, uh, streets, you know, stuff like that. But like Afghanistan, exactly. you know, most of the time you're off in a cop somewhere, you know, basically, you know, uh, fish in a barrel because, you know, you, you're set up in these like very – you know, I mean, tactically disadvantaged, you know, dis. As usual with our audio, there's always something funky that happens. So we actually had to split this one in half. This is the second part. I know. I have no idea. It's fucking driving me up the wall. I thought if I just swiped it out, it'd go away, but it closed everything out. Yeah, I'm gonna have to actually do some editing for real now. Yeah, for real. <laughs> uh, just waiting on Richard. There mm. you go. Welcome back. All right. Thank you. Same shit that happened to you happened to me. Nah, uh, <laughs> what? I wonder what that is. That's wild. No, I mean, once people call, you can't block it. So yeah, I mean, it'd be great I... if you could, but 
Well, I cut off my cell service. I do have iPhone and I do get i i calls, but i messages. But I did shut off my cell service. See if that blocks anything else. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess if anybody calls you over with an iPhone or you know, text whatever, but that's whatever. Right, right, right. All right, so so we're gonna start. uh, What were what were we uh, talking about? Uh, Uh, We were actually the difference. Oh, the uh, Kevin was talking about. Yeah, difference between Iraq and, and, and Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah man, g- completely right. different battlefields. You know what I'm saying? Because you're up in the mountains um, in Afghanistan. You're like, you know, you're walking. I mean, there, I guess there there probably were some urban environments, but probably out out like where you know most of your infantry are going to be placed. You know, right, right. The little villages is what it was. I mean, you were pretty much like you said. You're you're sitting ducks walking from wide open mountainside or side to a village. So you're pretty obvious of when you're coming in. I mean, mm-hmm. so, and, and that's all you're there for really is to draw fire. That was our whole mission was to go I out mean, and you think about it, man. And in, in, in Iraq, that was pretty much our mission too. I mean, we had, exactly. you know, we had, we had objectives, you know, go raid this house, go do this, go capture right, this person right. or whatever. But a lot of times it was just, <laughs> you know, when, what they call a presence patrol is yes. in effect walking around waiting to get shot at or for something to blow up and then react to that contact. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, Sitting back nowadays, I mean, young, dumb soldiers we were. We thought we were studs. We wanted to do all the high-speed shit. Mm-hmm. Think about it now. It's like, wow, dude. How do these folks still sit up, join, and think, and know that's what they're fixing to go do? You know, because no one have thought in our mind. I mean, again, like, you know, dealing with these kids, um, you know, that come into basic training, they they don't know. They know the stories that their parents have told them who who have served over there, or they see what they see on TV. Right. Um, you know what I mean? Or or maybe a kid that graduated the year before them, or an older brother or sister. But like, I mean, and, and, and you know, like you don't you don't know until you're there what it's. You really be don't. Like. Yeah. You, you really don't. You can expect all you want, but you're never going to know. Yeah. That doesn't mean somebody's not ready for it, though. I mean, a lot of these That's kids true. coming up have that fucking red fucking flame up their ass in the ready to fight yeah i mean and like, 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 you know one of yeah. y'all's prior episodes y'all were talking about second of the 108 infantry i mean can y'all imagine being in new york and watching all those folks and probably a lot of your family members get killed in that and just wanting revenge oh yeah I mean, man. it's, it's you know insane. maybe maybe that's some, you know that's how we create or how today's jihadists are created you know it's watching their parents or their families get killed and hurt so they still want to carry it on and Try to hurt the folks or revenge for them. So that's I mean, a unique. That's a unique thing you just brought up. The jihadists and whatnot over there in places that we're deployed to the enemy. Do you? Uh-huh. How, how did you feel about the uh, your interactions with those dudes? Seeing this, hey, this shit just happened here. Nine eleven just happened here in New York. The same guys that we went to go to combat with probably got inspired by that. Do you think right. that has any any effect in the dynamic? of deciding on, hey, um, how do I feel about these people that I'm fighting against for you personally? For me personally? Uh, yeah. It does. It does. It, it kind of makes you – it makes you question – almost question what you're doing. You want to have a drawback a little bit because, you know, if you think about – your Your kids – wow, what the police there? Ooh, ambulance? <laughs> It's hiding Anyhow, these streets, it's, it's hiding streets huh? <laughs> if you think about your kids' generation and you know your kids want to follow their parents' footsteps down like we did, and mm. 
then, you know, I don't want my kid to have to go see the shit that I saw. Okay. I really so, don't. Hey, I mean, we, we flew through a lot of it, but all right, we're, we're in Iraq now. <laughs> oh yeah. I wanted to, yeah, yeah, I, before we even got to Iraq, I wanted to ask you, since you're one of the few married folks that we're going to have on here or was married during the time, uh, pre-deployment, how did yes. that affect your family life? Well, I will say this, um, when we was gone, we got our, uh, let's see, to Kosovo, right before we left, went to Kosovo, uh, my wife had decided to go back home, to come back home to Tennessee while I was gone, uh, and, but she was going to wait for a few months before she come back home. She ended up meeting one of our team leaders' wives over there, uh, uh, one of the guys, it was Sergeant Jason Lee, if y'all remember him, he comes yeah, to Korea. Yeah. Anyways, uh, she had met her wife, so she ended up staying there for a few months. And when we come back home, uh, she was she was already back in Germany waiting on us because we didn't have to relinquish our housing or none of that. It got to stay with our housing if our spouses decided to stay. So she decided to stay for a few months, so she scheduled our housing to be picked up a while back. Well, anyhow, uh, she ended up staying. Well, she got sent home more. Iraq is when she more went home. We went and deployed to Iraq. I'm kind of jumping around here and across stories, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what I'm trying to get out there is before we left and went to Iraq, right after Kosovo, while we was in the field is when my wife come back to Tennessee to see her parents. Exactly when she come home. Well, she had gotten pregnant before she, we had went to the field, and I get back. We get her back to Germany, and this is about two and a half, three months before we deployed. My daughter is born January 9th of 2004, and we oh, leave man. what day? Yeah, we was gone like two and a half, three weeks old, and mm. we left and went to Iraq. Yeah, so that's that's an even bigger stressor, man, because that's not just, that's oh, not just man. like married and deploying. That's like just had a brand new kid in deploying. Brand new kid, leaving my wife there from a completely different country, not been there very much, you know, completely different country. Her instant decision was to go home, and then I've got to worry about supporting them at home with a child. And man, it was it was pretty it was pretty stressful. Just you know, getting everything even situated mm-hmm. to even go was the hard part. And a lot of that is probably what caused my divorce. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. military life and people can't handle a lot of people can't handle it, and she was one that not and. It caused her to be angry at all time, and I feel for spouses, military spouses, because that's yeah, man. You know, a lot of them go through that, and I hate that. You know, no, no, I mean, don't get me wrong, man. Like all the all the dependent jokes, and like you know, I served too, and all that nonsense. My husband's a this rank, so that's how you would. I mean, that's overboard, right, right. fuck, man. Yeah, but, that's way overboard. When you talk about the op tempo of the United States military from 2001 to, you know, just recently when we pulled out of Afghanistan, actually probably mm-hmm. even still now because we, we, we still do have operations in Africa and parts of the Middle East. But, right. you know, you, you think about that op tempo, especially during that time, man, like it was common. If you stayed on active duty like you did, you deployed, you were back for a refit, you deployed, you were back for a refit, you were constantly gone, man gone constantly and that's all there was that was all there to do i mean and you had no time to think about and a lot of my time when i come home you know it was when you're deployed it's you and your buddies that's who you're there to protect that's what you think yeah. about you don't have your spouse or your child there to think about it all times like you do 
you know, like now, now I have three children, three beautiful children, love them to death. My daughter, by the way, that was two weeks old when I left, she's graduating high school, senior in high school. That don't make me feel old, folks. Hell yeah, man. (laughs) As if I needed another thing to make me feel old. Yeah, no shit, right? (laughs) But she's actually awesome. She's going to college, become a vet, and she's probably going to go to college first. And she said she wants to go spend some time in the military as an officer. So by all means, go go for it. You know, that's what you want to do, child. Right on. So, okay, we're, we're deployed now. Mm-hmm. Well, you land in uh, Kuwait. Oh my! What is God. what is the first thing that hits your head? What do you what are you thinking when you are officially deployed in some real combat? You're not quite there yet, but you know you're getting there. Well, what, what, you work- when we deployed, like, what was your capacity? Like, where were you working specifically then? When I when we deployed, I was still the unit armor. Yeah. At the time mm-hmm. we deployed, I was still the or the, excuse me, the company armor, and. Uh, with that being said, we were getting all the refitted, you know, we were getting all the saw stocks, the short stocks, collapsible stocks for all the weapons and the shorter barrels for the M4s and the short stocks for the M16s, you know, uh, love was y'all's second platoon, um, armor at the time, actually. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of had to work together, which we refitted all the weapons. We got that new ACOGs put in for the squad leaders and team leaders and things like that. And not a lot of people got them. You know, like you said, you know, before you had an M16A4. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's what I had. I had an M16A4, but I didn't went to school and learn a few things, so I put me a collapsible stock and was able to shorten <laughs> mine down. <laughs> I knew how to get the high school shit. <laughs> but yeah, some Frank, when some I'd Frankenstein actually, shit on that side. Yeah, well, actually, it was, man. It was pretty neat. You know, when I deployed, too, though, I ended up becoming part of headquarters. And after... I, I was the commander's company commander's gunner is what I, my official position was when we deployed. Mm-hmm. And uh, because they're, to deploy like that, I was supposed to be a supply. And I could not deploy under as an arms room tenant or whatever because I did not have a supply MOS. So they put me as the commander's gunner. Whatever, whatever admin reason that has to do, I have no idea. Why? They will find yeah. a way to make some shit happen somehow. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, Even though wild, that but... doesn't seem like that's something that you need to make happen. <laughs> right. So it seems we like did, once you, know... you once you once you have that job, that's your job. Like why should why do I have to put you right. in a different position to fill up the XYZ to make right, things work right. for point Q. But, and, and, and see, you know, that's when uh um started uh actually Chief Warren officer duel now. Uh, that's pretty awesome. That's of that mm-hmm. man. He's pretty, you know, he was an awesome dude. He was a good soldier. Mm-hmm. He knew his shit. He, and uh, I'm proud of him becoming a pilot because he talked about it a lot. He was in the headquarters platoon at that time. So when we got to Kuwait, we uh, were running PT every morning, man. And that son of a gun got us caught out in one of the first sandstorms we had ever been in. <laughs> <laughs> we was in PT shorts, shirts, snow goggles. <laughs> Oh, dude, we got wore out for the last mile home, and it hurt so bad. He yeah, looked at us. He says, from now on, we're not doing no more of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> he said, no, we're done. We're not getting caught out in that shit. So it was, you know, and I had to actually, y'all, we talk about the ride over from Kuwait into Iraq. I was I was a company commander's gunner at that time. And, you know, I was talking about Lieutenant Montrose leading into my position when we deployed. I actually became pretty much like Captain Rockefeller's RTO at the time, you know, riding up on top of his gunner, especially when he got mm-hmm. off. 
how the Humvee and because he yeah. was in the middle of everything. You know how Captain yeah. Rock was. He oh, yeah. and everything. You know, mm -hmm. he was an awesome guy. You know, that is one one of the most intelligent men I've ever met in my life in this day to this yeah. day. How, how so? Yeah. I, this man, I've never seen anything like it. You know, I watched him up on that gunner's hatch. And <laughs> I remember one story. This man, our first big fight we got into Easter Sunday. <laughs> well, when Easter Sunday kicked off, he looked at me. We was riding around getting pop shots popped at us. And I wasn't seeing no visual open targets at that time. You know, I was scanning hard. We had, I had 50 cal on top of the commander's truck. Frederick was driving. <laughs> he was <laughs> hollering. So we come up to this alley when we get attacked. Y'all were telling a story about this the other day. <laughs> and I mean, I looked down, and I don't know how I noticed Captain Rockefeller doing this. This kind of leads into his intelligence is where I'm getting at with this. But as we're leading down this alley, we turn into one. And, I mean, it, we just get splattered with just 7.62 rounds everywhere. And Fred just starts yelling. Captain Rock's looking at me. He's like, you better be fired. And I done shot about 30 rounds. I said, I have. I looked down there. I was like, I've been fired. And Fred's over there screaming, screaming, shoot up. I mean, just going nuts, man. Fuck him up, yeah. <laughs> kind of like Griffin was talking about the other day in the gunner's ads, you know. Just yeah. kind of going off. And I get in that mode back there, and I just happen to see Captain Rockefeller. He leads. That entire platoon, not in count, not counting other squads from other platoons that helped us in different times, lead around that entire city. Would you say it was 230, 270 something thousand people? Yeah, around in there, that yeah. city. Yeah, he would guide y'all on every route without looking at a fucking map, man. <clears throat> like he knew routes and route names in his head and could lead y'all to the objective of where we was receiving fire. Without ever looking at his fucking map, yeah, and I've never seen, yeah, I, it, unbelievable, man, unbelievable. That, that I mean, so to put that into perspective, I mean, I can't, I can't think of any, you know, major U.S. cities off the top of my head right now. But like, I mean, because obviously, like all the major U.S. cities are, you know, a million plus. But right, I mean, right, you, right. You, you think about operating in a town of three hundred thousand people, right? Three hundred thousand people. I, I don't remember the the this this the. the uh, the square mileage of it, um, I mean, I don't the, the area that. of the town. But I mean, to be able to just off the top of your head, recall, uh, you know, every single, and, and we didn't use, we didn't use the street names that, that were already there for, for Samara. So like, you know, no, when you're, in, when you're in the military, basketball teams. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, but when you're, when you're in the military and you're, and you're operating in a foreign land, like we don't bother, trying to like uh, memorize the, the actual street names of these towns because they're in a different language. Not everybody speaks it. So it's easier for us to set up, you know, uh, we're going to call this like, well, you know, MSR Tampa, main supply route, Tampa. We had, there was you know route Irish, right? So in town, like you said, we used, you know, basketball teams or whatever. Um, so it, it's just, it's just ways for, for us to be able to like, okay, so we, we know for a fact that this road is called this based off of what we're calling it. Um, right, right, right. And, and we do that from a topographical map. That way, every single body, single soul down to the foot, last foot, saw gunner, rifleman, AG, whoever knows exactly what's road they're on. So everybody can look at that map and say, okay, this is what routes we know we're on. You know, right. It, yeah, perspectively, yeah. it's what it should be. Right. Um, 
so yeah, man. So like to 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 have a town of three hundred thousand, and I'm trying to look up the, the the square miles of this place, um, and I'm just not. Man, I guess I, I don't know how to internet right, but Brown, you know it's funny, Tyree. You you talking about uh, y'all's commercial on your last couple episodes there there about MrGoArmy.com telling Word. your story because because you, you had the picture of the uh, spiral minaret. Kudos mm-hmm. to you, man. Eat that shit up, brother. You deserve it. We all do. Eat it up, man. Hey, man, I, I've been trying, kind of. I think I'm going to try I mean, more eat it up, now, dude. But... On top of that, eat it up. But I wish that I could have got my picture, because, you know, I was the first son of a bitch to re-enlist on top of that minaret. <laughs> Were you? Oh, yeah. I flew the American flag. It was right after Sergeant Goff became the re-enlistment NCO for our company. Nice. Yes, and I flew the flag. Captain Rock, the XO, Sergeant Goff, and me were on top of that minaret. Flying American flag, getting sworn in for my second reenlistment. Um, right on. So your initial re- initial enlistment was uh, three years? No, four years. It was okay. already four years. But I come in, it was 2003. Like, it was right before. It was a little bit before we left. 2003, you know, you always come up before. Or they, I had an open enlistment for some reason. It let me open up. I have no <laughs> idea why it come to me like that. Because it was like right at my three-year mark. Well, because you, you you can you can reenlist a year out to your ETS day. Yeah, that's exactly. Okay, all so, right. So did you get so that bonus tax free? Why well, shit? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I took I took eighteen thousand and went to Hawaii yeah. quick, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, why not? I mean, you know, yeah, hell, I got I got. You know, the best part about all that, you know, everybody talks about. You see folks and stories now about people having. Uh, enlistment bonus problems and this, that, or the other, or how it worked out. You got to wait 12 months to get enlistment bonuses or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. mine, we had to wait so many days. Yeah, but mine kicked in while we were deployed downrange every time. So I got all of mine tax free every single time. Nice. Really? <laughs> yes, Real I did. Nice. That's, <laughs> that's lucky. I got lucked out on that, dude. I don't know how that worked out, but it did. All right. Uh, but I, I finally figured it out. Samara is 58 square miles. 58 Word. square miles. That's a that's a big gut. You know, that's a big fucking town, man. It's <laughs> a very big town, man. I mean, to have 300,000 people in it, that's a lot of people in a, such a small area. Yeah. You want to get technical with it, you know. That's that's not a small area, but I mean, 58 square miles. What's what's that? It's a, it's a good size area with a, a St. whole Louis, lot of people maybe? just living on top of each other. Yeah, uh, St. Louis maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's close, I would think. I mean that was that was, that was close. I'm sure they've got more population, but probably yeah, square actually, miles that, is, that is that is pretty close. St. Louis is 65.99 square miles, so yeah, they're about. You know, mm-hmm. okay. So imagine a man that we just got sworn in as our company officer, our company commander, because of our switch out we had. Uh, learning that St. Louis in a matter of. Three days, four days, man. I mean, you know, it's that's pretty, pretty impressive to me. Yeah, and St. Louis, do, has, uh, St. Louis has the same population, about three hundred thousand. So yeah. there you go. You know, that's you got to do what you got to do. He was put in that leadership position. You can't come in half-assed. Which you know, he was a range, He was from the Ranger Bat too, so he was a pretty yeah. high-speed man himself. He knew mm-hmm. his shit ahead of time. He had a, a he was, CIB on too, if, you, if y'all remember correctly, right? He was, he was, he was prior enlisted. Mm-hmm. Um. Which is when he got a CIB. He was a, uh, or when he got, a, when he was with Ranger Bat. He, where did he go? Panama, I believe it was. Panama, I believe, yes. Um, 
Man, I you know, are you in contact with him still? Because I've been I've been wondering like how his career progressed. I um, have uh, the last I heard, Captain Rockefeller, he was um, he was a light colonel at the Pentagon. Okay, and that is the last I heard. And I have not seen or had any kind of contact with him since. I mean, and you ain't never going to have no contact with him because that shit's G15 classified, baby. <laughs> exactly. I'm sure he's up there. You know what? I bet, you know, you see uh, uh, Command Sergeant Major Sims all the time, Force Corps Sergeant Major now, oh, which yeah. is our first Sergeant. You know, we I was in that headquarters platoon and during that deployment. And, you know, I didn't get – we was out right beside y'all at all times with the with the Humvees because you know how First Sergeant Sims and – Captain Rock was them two to love to be in the middle. Oh so, yeah, you know, you know, and that was awesome. That that was a great, great command. Like y'all said before, that's a highly commendable command team to do what they did as they stepped in, right as we went on deployment. You know, mm-hmm. and and that that all helped from our bond as a deployment in Kosovo, like y'all talked about before. I think that came that that really does uh, mean everything. That's. Oh, that, you got a hell of a team already put together. You can swap out yeah. some parts, and it'll still work. Exactly, exactly. Everybody knew everybody for the most part, and everybody's comfortable and knows how we all we all operate on the same page. And we, you know, we had done that. And even though you do swap platoons from here to there, it, it kind of coincides, and it helps the whole company coincide with each other and makes it all for a better layout for everybody. Man, yeah. it just really does. They wouldn't grab shit bags. So exactly. So. Um, we're in Humvee. We're in Bradley's. You're in a Humvee. No, I'm in a fucking Humvee with sandbags driving all the way to uh, <laughs> uh, Iraq. I was in one of those shitty sandbag Humvees. Yeah, I was. Gonna, we did I not. Was going to ask you how that feeling was, but I, I guess it wasn't. That was. Feeling. No, it was not a great feeling. I was up on top of the gun. I rode on a two-inch uh, nylon strap all the way to uh, Iraq. Dang man. That hurt, and Brad did not ever want to switch <laughs> off driving. Yeah, he did not, not want to switch off at all. <laughs> he just wanted to drive. He didn't want to get on the gun, so that was my job. It was you, Fred, and who else? Captain Rock. That was Y'all the only three in our Humvee. Uh, going up there? We rode together going all the way up, yep. Any yeah. funny stories? Well. Any funny uh, uh, roll-up stories? Or is that all I, like uh, – exclusively for that crew right there you keep it to them no i ain't really nothing exclusively that is actually one of my one of my bad memories i do not have is that trip i remember driving up there i -hmm. remember us getting a detour as we go into baghdad and then a certain pl kind of led us off in the wrong direction at one time and we had to turn (laughs) around (laughs) y'all remember that in the middle of a fucking marketplace in baghdad no (laughs) because oh no i do remember that Yes, you you were. Wow. I believe you were the last vehicle. Y'all got yeah, turned we around were. way last. <laughs> oh yeah, we were at the very back. Like, what the fuck is going on? Well, there yeah. were some MPs up on a major interpass intersection up there, and we got turned off. They tried to make us detour, and SPL come over the radio, and Captain Rock, uh, I guess, had confidence in him, the CO, and says, "Hey, okay, lead the way." So he did, and it was. A big old crowded marketplace full of people we didn't want to be in. <laughs> I'm not familiar with this at all. Uh, oh, yeah. We got lost bigger than shit there for about three hours. Yeah, um, I do remember that. And if you think about it, if you go, if you go, if if, uh, if people listening go back to the initial push into Iraq, it was a very similar situation that led to the abduction of our very first Iraq war POW, Jessica Lynch. Um, yes, and uh, and that actually 
that particular event changed the game for what we call soft MOSs. MOSs being your military occupational, especially your job in the military. And your soft ones are the ones that are not specifically trained in, in combat operations. So your people like your infantry, tankers, um, combat engineers, um, you know, CAV scouts, uh, and occasionally MPs, military police, they're all trained in like combat operations, but not everybody else was. So like your soft MOSs, like your, your chemical, your fuelers, um, all these other you know jobs like that it, it's not really their thing but they still convoy your 88 mics your truck drivers they're considered yes. soft targets so yes. jessica lynch and and what happened in 2003 during the initial push and her abduction kind of forced the army to 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 re to to look at training and look at how how we've been doing it wrong and you know the, this whole concept that like there's a reason Everybody in, in the military qualifies. There's a reason everybody has to wear a helmet and, and, and body armor, but not everybody is out training in battle drills. Not everybody is out training in how to like do reactive shooting, you know, ready ups where you're standing on the line and somebody says ready up and you engage with a, you know, with a, um, you know, uh, fucking, oh my God, what is that called? A double shot, double tap. Wow. How, how do I forget that? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, not everybody is being trained in that. And so then the way the army started to change and it's a slow process, but you know, it took a couple years, but finally they started to push out, you know, these soft MOSs um, with a little bit more combat training. Um, and right. that actually kind of changed, set, set the tone. And it's really interesting that our, our drive into Iraq, that same situation happened to us in the largest city in Iraq. Um, yeah. And it very easily could have gone south, especially considering you know, our particular setup because we had our Bradleys on the back of, of trucks, you know, semis. Exactly. And all we had was Humvees and our biggest guns were, you know, 50 cal machine guns and Mark 19 fully automatic grenade launchers. Um, yes. So, it, see, you know, that's, that's what I went to school to work on was those big weapons. Yeah. That was that, my big job there. That, that definitely could have gone south. And um, Yes, that could have. It could have been a bad, a bad start to the year. Luckily, yes, it, it was the best. No, so, yeah, we got real lucky but, uh, there all the way through. You roll into uh, Brasfield Mora. Who are you staying with while you're there? Uh, I'm actually bunked up with uh, Frederick, good old Ron Frederick from Louisiana. My buddy, if you're listening to this, I uh, hope to see you, hear from you. I ain't heard from you in a few months, so holler at us. Yeah, Frederick, if you listen to this, pick your lips up off the ground, move them out the way. Yeah, yeah, man. yeah. What the fuck, Durf? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> come on, Durf. <laughs> Me and Durf, man. <laughs> Me and Dirk, Dirk was my, we, we got split platoons there. He come back to second platoon, but he was in headquarters for a while as a commander's driver. And me and him, he was my battle buddy for, you know, for the biggest part of our deployment in Iraq. And me and Dirk, dude, we kind of connected on a bond, kind of like you and Griff did there, mm. Johnson. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was, it was pretty awesome. He, he was a good dude, man. Good down there. He liked to be a smart ass a lot. I still love him though. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Fred, one of my favorite stories from Fred. I can't tell that story. He probably can't. <laughs> no, there's no telling. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just say we. And, and if, if Fred, you're listening, I, I hope you remember this story. So I'm not going to tell the whole thing. But we were on a run, right in in downtown Schweinfurt. You know, as we would occasionally do, running on the economy, and uh-huh. um, with the Sergeant Smith squad at the time. And you know, he he really needed to stop somewhere on the run. <laughs> And he runs into this bakery, you know, and he, he, he pops in and pops right back out. I was like, oh, no, that, that place won't work. And we're like, what the hell? Why not? Uh, th- those girls in there are cute. What if I want to come back later? And so, all right, you know, whatever. 
and we keep on running and we're like a half mile from, from Ledward, you know, so we just keep on trucking and uh, get back to the barracks and we're doing the cool down and all that stuff. And um, come to find out we, he, he should have stopped while we were there. Uh, let's just I put can it only way. imagine. Yeah, man. He, you know, Fred, you know, you, you could talk shit to Fred all day long and he would, he would give it right back to you, man. That, he, oh. he was, definitely was a good dude. With yeah, he really veracity, was, with veracity. Yeah. I like Fred, man. He he uh, he had a fucking attitude and temper that just fucking snapped. Yeah, any second. <laughs> yeah. Any he would second, bitch about anything. Yo, <laughs> oh, yeah, he bitched about every damn thing, everything, every fucking dude. thing. Yeah, <laughs> and they're valid complaints uh, for the most part. For the most part, they're valid. Yeah, yeah. they really were. Well, <laughs> I, some of them are pretty dumb. I will say that. <laughs> I said for the most part, goddamn. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, All right. Me and Fred had some good times though. We were back, man. We was chilling, just reading some uh uh some letters and shit back, you know, walking around some of the grain silos there at Browse and Mora when you know, in the middle of the deployment and we get fucking shot in a bunch of rockets come in at us and me and Fred are stuck back here in this grain silo and these bitches are landing like a hundred yards away from us. <laughs> so, and we're we're out back like kinda I don't know. You know how the if y'all remember correctly, the mortars were over towards the town of Samara, and I'm not good with the directional at that point in time. But they were towards towards Samara, where the mortars and the artillery was stationed at, and there was a set mm-hmm. of grain silos in between us and the mortar section over there, or the, the artillery section set up. Mm-hmm. And we, me and Fred, was walking around in and out of those grains one day, just kind of bullshitting around, cutting up, getting away, just kind of relaxing away, and talking our own shit with each other, talking about our families and. All of a sudden, these rockets start coming in. <laughs> Some of it, he freaks. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. he jump, instead of oh. instead of running out, he jumps the wall and he leaves his weapon laying on the. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're sitting in the grain silo, he's reading me a letter, and he leaves his weapon in the grain silo. <laughs> yeah, and we take off back to the bunkers for headcount because if y'all remember, we had to go back and do headcount. Yeah. So he comes over to me in the pitch black dark, says, "Yo, what?" That's a fucking gun in the goddamn silo. <laughs> I was like, what? I said, say that a little bit louder, why don't you? <laughs> yeah, no shit. Oh, um, and this little video sandbag bunker that we built. Y'all remember those beside our hoochies, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. But we were it, it, It's just like the memes on the internet. When you first get there, you know what I'm saying? You hear that fucking air raid siren or whatever it is. And you're yeah. watching the impact. You're like, holy shit. Get to the bunker, get to the bunker. But like yes. six months in, you're like, fuck it, man. If it's if it's my time, it's my time. It's my time. <laughs> it's gonna hit. It's gonna hit. We have no yeah. cover. Just let's come on in. <laughs> yeah. Let it let it do I what mean, it is. I remember yeah. that night. I remember that night that uh those rockets came in and, and, and you and Fred were off. Um Yeah. Uh, I remember we something come- I remember something very specific that Fred told me about uh <laughs> about being off uh that we won't get into. But uh, I do I do remember that night very well. Uh yeah. I remember Fred yeah. being like Holy fuck, man! Holy, like he was—he was freaking out. It was hilarious. Yeah, um, we were drinking. Uh, I think we was drinking some of his sister's coffee he had sent. If yeah, I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Y'all are out there yeah. just having a fucking casual stroll while the fucking rockets are coming in. Hey, man. Yes. Sir. You get so far into deployment, man. That's just what it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> I guess, it was nothing man, at that point, man. Hmm? I, it really wasn't. It really wasn't, man. I mean, dude, if y'all remember, um, y'all was talking about the fight on Easter Sunday, um. We come through on the headquarters uh, when the headquarters platoon Humvee got hit. That mm-hmm. was Sergeant Brunick took a bunch of shrapnel on the side of his legs, 
if he was our FSO, the from the artillery battery, the guy that called in fire. Yeah. Oh, he, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was riding with uh, um, he was the master gunner of the of the company at that time. I can't remember who staff sergeant somebody. Didn't they say somebody picked him up while that shit was going on, and they made a big deal? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, um, uh, it was staff sergeant. It was the platoon sergeant at the time. The four sergeant Winchester come to us. It was the Mike, Mike Golf, the master gunner. I can't. Oh, sergeant Worth. His name was Sar- he with us? No, it was, yeah, no, sergeant Worth wasn't with us. It was right after sergeant yeah. Worth. The yeah. guy with glasses. He was. I can't remember his name. God Start forgive me. I mean, he was. It might have had. It might have had. I cannot remember. Mm. Ah. Yeah. We'll have to put some thought into it. We'll yeah, look at yeah, it. Well, he was the Mike Golf right after uh, uh, Sergeant Worth left. So yeah, I don't, I don't remember. exactly who it was. <clears throat> I can't remember exactly who he was. But anyways, um, he was with them, and they got hit, you know, and we come through the alleyway, and that's when Fred was screaming all that obscenity like Griff screaming in the <laughs> truck. Captain Rock's looking over at Fred telling him to shut up. I can't hear the radio. <laughs> He's like, I'm just laying off. And I remember looking up at that time and this is my first visual, first visual contact I have of actual enemy soldiers sitting up with RPGs and RPKs sitting up on rooftops. Like mm. you see in ghost recon or some shit. Yeah. I mean, it was, we, I mean, we come up in this alleyway, man. And it was, Every building, I was spinning in 360 degrees, just rolling with that board of that. Yeah, that reminds me of a scene from the movie Black Hawk Down when they're trying to find their their exfil from the town, and they are just Mm -hmm. surrounded. Trucks are just driving around in fucking circles, 50 cows laying down rounds. That's what we was doing, dude, and we was taking that all the way through, like, two and a half blocks. We were trying to get around to the other Humvee. And that's when good old uh, crazy Bill Baggett there, Mr. Mm-hmm. Sergeant Baggett, God mm-hmm. forbid, I love that guy. He was awesome, too. He'd give me hell in that arms room. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, he did. It. But uh, it's when he was headed over, which made Captain Rock pull out. And we pulled out when we went to recover that man that had got the pilot that had got shot in the foot in the Kiowa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We went to re- uh, uh, medivac him. We had pulled out what we thought was RPG range, if y'all remember correctly. And that RPG was shot at us. We were sitting out in that field, outside yeah. the, right outside the town. And the idiot jihad or Taliban or whichever one they was at that time <laughs> decided to pull one launch pin and never pulled an explosion pin. It was like a two-pinned RPG. And it never it never exploded. It went right. It went like three <laughs> foot over the top of my head over my Humvee. And it bounced by one of y'all's dismount squads, and I can't remember who it was. Um, so our, the RPGs, man, they uh, they have a, a unique um, setup to them. Um, so basically, um, you know, you, you, it's just it's just like any other like rocket launcher or whatever, where you have you know your your typical safeties like you would on any weapon system. But like at the end of those things, there was some type of like, uh, and I'm and I'm not like overly familiar with these things, but I, I do know that there's some type of like primer. That goes in the tip yes. of those things. So when they make impact with something, it's like, like for example, our our things, like the the two hundred three, the the um the grenade that's locked launched from a a two hundred three or an AT four, like they have an arming distance, right? They have to like the two hundred three has Correct. to rotate so many times so that it's safely Correct. away from the person who fired it. Well, the RPGs have a primer that's in the that in the tip of those, and um and yeah, so that's you know that's where that comes from. Um, and so they probably did because that happened quite a bit actually. I remember that yes, happening a ton of times. Um, one I remember time, hitting a bu- Go ahead. 
No, they're good. No, no I, I was just talking, going to say, I remember quite a few hitting Bradley's and bouncing off and never exploding. Yeah. <laughs> it's been hours waiting on EOD to come get it. Right. Well, there was uh, – so towards the end, man, like we were up on a rooftop. It was, uh, you know, I was in uh, Sergeant Smith's squad. I was one of his team leaders. And I was on a rooftop laying behind some bricks, right? There's just one layer of bricks. The whole rooftop was like – it looked like it was freshly tarred, but it was just because it was so hot. Um, <laughs> and so we were in contact, right? I was engaging from where I was. And then uh, the, another – the rest of the squad was on, on one side, other side of the building behind – a wall shooting down and they were engaged by somebody else. Well, they, they receive an RPG. Like you hear the launch, you hear the, the, um, it, it sounds like, uh, air brakes on a, on a, on a semi on, on, on an air brake, a vehicle that takes yeah. air brakes. It sounds like the air brakes being released and it just slams into the wall. And had they primed that RPG, all of those guys would have been down, maybe not dead down, but down for sure. Like yes. purple. Yeah, Hearts, I mean, maybe one, one KIA, yeah, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. but that thing wasn't primed. So it hits the wall, goes f- like flying off, flipping all the way back down to the ground. And we're on top of a two story building. So just below us is wild Bill's track. He <laughs> fucking pops up. Now we're still engaged. He pops up, um, with his CVC helmet on, unplugs that fucking thing, hops out of the top of the Bradley <laughs> M4 still in the Bradley jumps off, runs into this little courtyard where the RPGs land. Kicks it, it's still smoking. Picks it up, and he just starts laughing and looks at me on the t- on, on the rooftop, and he's like, "These stupid motherfuckers didn't even prime it," and throws it back down and walks off. God, that what? we weren't. What? That's, they were not from far. Where does that come from? That's fucking nuts, dude. Like, uh, God yeah. damn. Yeah, I mean, oh, and, and so for people listening, if you're ever wondering where wild bill got his nickname from there it is there it is <laughs> that's just one example out of probably a thousand <laughs> yeah it was it was all it was wild man it's oof. We, so yeah. you're on that gun for the majority of these missions man did you ever have any of those uh butt pucker moments <laughs> oh i had a lot of butt pucker moments man i'm not gonna lie dude i mean you know for for the first month and a half, you know, it, there wasn't no real hard engagements or nothing there for the first little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, at night missions, especially rolling in, it, I, my butt was puckered every time going in. I was waiting for an IED to come off. And, you know, we was running with the command team. So when we would go in, it's like two platoons would go in. Alpha Company would go in with us sometimes. Mm-hmm. And we would hit a couple different spots and run, you know, dual missions. We would come back out if, you know, we were doing a medivac or, you know, a, a a wound or something like that, we would run out with like Captain or uh, First RV from Alpha Company and all them, and we were running back and forth. So we were always constantly worried about the V bids, the vehicle borne IEDs, man. And you know, if y'all remember correctly, right before we left, uh, I got hit. My uh, Humvee got hit directly right by the minaret with the IED. How did that? Uh, it, tell us what happened with that. Ah, well, there wasn't much happened with that. There was, uh, Sergeant Lee, uh, was, uh, the XO's gunner at the time. And I was actually driving and we put Fudd, y'all remember Elder, Dustin Elder. Oh yeah. Uh, Fudd, he, uh, he used to like to run around naked all the time. Little shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's doing good too. I've talked to him a little bit here and there. He's doing pretty good. 
Good. And uh, yeah. yeah, he's got two beautiful daughters, or you know, two, I think, but he's doing real good. But anyways, he uh, he was up on the gun. Well, I turned around at the time I got hit. I mean, it hits directly at my side door. Of course, we had done got our up arm and Humvees by then, so, you know, it hit, and Captain Rockefeller's eyes got about as big as a light bulb and looked at me and said, stop it! <laughs> I, said, I am! What the fuck? I mean, it's ringing. I don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm done concussed. I don't know where I'm at. I'm just kind of dazed. And I, I remember it was right before the left turn we had to take right by the minaret to get back to Patrol Bay Shivani. And yeah. I, I we was right there at that intersection is where I got hit at. And it was, I mean, it was damn right beside the, y'all heard it, everybody come running out to us. And luckily the only thing that happened, it hit the undercar- undercarriage of the Humvee and it took a bunch of brake lines and shit out, but. Lee looked back up, look up at me, and we got out and says, "Did you see that fucking fireball that went over Fudge?" <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> Y'all know excited how that man got. He, oh, yeah. he was like, "Did you see that?" I was like, "No, I didn't see that. I was too fucking busy ringing." I, what are you talking about? I'm still ringing? But, oh, it hurt so bad, man. And so, oh, yeah, I, I kind of, I want you to kind of go into that. Fine. Man. Obviously, people listening may not have ever been through an IED, which, you know, improvised explosive device, you know, and, and the yeah, true yeah. definition is like any explosive device that's, you know, used in a different way than it's originally intended. Um, and here, so often, here's the thing. Oftentimes, oh, go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say, here's the thing like that. Oftentimes, they're run by a remote device, you know, they're tied yeah. into cell phones or whatever. And oftentimes, they're dug into the side of concrete slabs or in the middle of the road. And we had just come down that route. I mean, it was 30 minutes prior to this. And we were actually doing right seat rides with the new unit is what we was doing. We was showing them. We were in our own Humvee, but uh, that new unit's commander was behind us. And Captain Rock, we stopped there at that intersection. And I stopped because I was lead vehicle. Captain Rockefeller loved to lead from the front. So my asshole stayed puckered up when we were (laughs) there. I was either on the gun going to get blowed up or I was either going to be driving, getting blowed up or trying to be on the radio telling him whatever he wanted me to tell somebody and going to get shot with RPG because they knew he was the commander because he wanted mm-hmm. to be in front of everything. Yeah. And, you know, we was up front there. We stopped and I looked down. I said, sir, uh-uh. I said, I don't want to take this road right here. I said, we, we need to turn around and go back. I said, there's something up there that was not there. And he says, nah. He says, are you sure? He, he pulled out his binocs. He got to looking. He had, a, he had FUD look. FUD was up on the gun. He says, there is, there's something new there. And he looked at me, he said, well, sorry, young blood. You see, we had done went to uh, the uh, promotion board at that time. So I'd done promote, mm-hmm. been promoted up to E5. And he said, sorry, young blood, what do you think? We're fixing to get out of here. I said, sir, we're enough armors. Fuck it, let's go. <laughs> he says, fuck it, let's go. You made the call. I said, fud, hold up, get down, get up underneath your chicken shield. I think there's an ID up here. I said, but we're going to haul ass past it. And I wasn't going near as fast as I thought I was, I don't guess, because it just, blam, sad, directly hit me right in the side, man. It was, <laughs> I lost all vision, earring, I mean, Captain Rocket blew the microphone, the damn handset radio out of Captain Rock's hand. It blew him over, Bud went down in the seat. Luckily, Bud was under his chicken shield. If he'd been standing up like we normally do when we engage yeah. over the chicken shield, his, he would have been decapitated. I mean, literally would have been. And, yeah. and, you know, it was just the grace of God at the time, and he had just gotten down at that point. And I, 
man, it, it was, that was probably the scariest moment that I'd had. You know, I'd, I we was over in Afghanistan, and I took some shrapnel off RPG, about like you was talking about earlier, off a wall, and I ended up, I'm out on 100% medical discharge now. So, I, you know, I, I'm living life pretty good. They took care of me, and I cannot complain, except mm-hmm. for the time it took me to get what I've got to get now. So, but... That was that was definitely a pucker butt pucker hole moment. Glad everything worked out, man. How bad was the yeah. beat? Did you say just the, the uh, brake lines? Yeah, just the brake lines, man. And it didn't even mess up the hubs or nothing. It flattened one tire. You know, the uh, actually the RPG that hits our Brunick's uh, vehicle at the first of our deployment there when he took all of his shrapnel on the back of his legs, that. That did more damage to that Humvee than what the direct IED did hitting us. Can you imagine hitting that IED with the uh, the Humvee that you originally came into Iraq with? Oh man, I'd have been dead, dude. I wouldn't. Yeah. Been, I couldn't imagine nothing because I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been here. I mean, those. I right. mean, we was in a damn. Those sandbags. Humvee man. with sandbags powder. Yeah, yeah. Those, those sandbags only do so much, man. But like, I mean, those up armored comfortable as they may be limited in space and all that stuff but i mean there's a trade-off right like you're trading comfort for security for safety um so they definitely do their job yeah Yeah, i I don't even give a fuck about losing out a little bit of space man i would gladly be a little bit more uncomfortable just to have that fucking security man yeah i mean you know fucking rpgs and these fucking ieds hanging out like you just went down that road these treacherous motherfuckers are doing all kind of wild shit I, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't risk it. No, no, not at all. I mean, it. You'd be dumb to send, like you said, a soldier in your soldier into combat with a light skinned Humvee right now. I mean, it's. Yeah. Right. And they were but doing it. it. They were doing it that year. That year, uh, the people that us, that's what they were using. I mean, I mean, yeah, I, that's we, all they had. We obviously we we did replace a mechanized unit, but like other mm-hmm. units were rolling around. In in light armored or no armored vehicles, um, well, 101st was there, was there not? A part of 101st, they was all in like in scout Humvees. Yeah, I mean, it was just a, it's just a mess. I mean, it really is. Um, armor is the way to go when it comes to things that go boom. You know what I mean? Yes, no doubt, no doubt. Like you said, you know, the uh, second of the 108, poor you know, poor man that took the RPG oh, in for. You know that was that was a bad night, bro. That was oh, I still think about that night. Yeah. And so you were on the uh, you were on the radio for a lot of things. How did that go? Oh, dude, it was chaotic, man. It, it was it was chaotic. And you know the sad part about that, dude. I, I think about this every day of my life, and I cannot get it out of my head. Is I was sitting there on the commander's gun, and the platoon leader that orchestrated that entire shindig of their five ton traveling with the steel sheets mm-hmm. instead of getting out sooner and walking like they should have had uh i i asked him i, I kind of begged him not to send so many soldiers out in that five ton. i mean we we <clears> I, I specifically we're not i mean if y'all remember correctly we were in rpg alleys where we was taking it that was their our nickname for that place mm-hmm. and we inherited from fourth id right and we had begged, and I'd specifically it was that night as we was prepping right after mission brief and everything, we were sitting down, and I was there. Look, I'm not the man to tell you what to do, but I, I would just, I would ask you personally to take that down to one squad, not put two squads in that five tons. 
And uh, sure as shit, that's you know that's when it went off and got hit pretty hard. But yeah, man. I think about that every day, and it sucks. <clears throat> well, uh, so as far as as far as thinking about I me, mean, like that, that kind of brings up a, a thing that I think that Tyree and I were both wanting to get into is you know definitely life after the military. I mean, obviously after we went to Iraq, you go to twenty fifth in Hawaii, and then you deploy to Afghanistan. Um, so you get out of the military after that, right? Yes, I get out after that. I'm done with that. I I, I, I took that stra- I took some of that shrapnel from that RPG, and I come back, and you know it was part of one of their little downsizing missions times that they had had for. I guess Department of Defense to downsize the U.S. Department of Army at the time, so they sent it up instantly for me to get a med board, and I got a thirty percent disability honorable med medical discharge with six years still left on my contract, Dang. and I got that from Department of Army sent that down to me through my okay. med board. So. so definitely, so medically retired uh, yes. from the Army um, after. Yes years and multiple deployments one mm-hmm. one peacekeeping deployment and two combat deployments to two, two different combats. countries yeah and so and so now here you are like army says hey man thanks um but uh, have a good one yeah so, i mean that's pretty much what it is i kind of got lucky you know when i first got back actually you know speaking of terms of after the military i first got back i filed you know for my va because you had to do it in a certain time limit um, before you got out if you wanted to try to get it expedited or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was recommended, you know, through the discharge process that I should file for it since I was, you know, getting medically uh, put out. And as I was doing that, it still took me four years to get my first rating from the VA. Really? Four, four years, man. Yes. That's should have been some good back pay. Right, oh, yeah. it, it it was it was great back pay. I will not lie. It was <laughs> it, it was it was over six digits. I will not lie. Whoa! Hey. Yeah, yeah. I lucked out on them, and they couldn't do shit about it. So yeah, because I I I I done what D, uh, the DAV, the Disabled American Vets, is definitely a good branch if you need to get a hold of them people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they helped me out, and they were at the bottom of the, my regional VA office is where they were at. And they stayed on top of it. One man did, and he kept on and kept on. And when they first come back with a rating, they only come back at like a 60, 70% rating for me. And I had 14 different claims. You know, when I walked up to the VA, that was at the time everybody was coming back is after, you know, the 03, 04, 05, 06 to 09 deployments after it got really bad right there. And there were so many soldiers coming back when mm-hmm. they were hurt you know, or injured or wounded and KIA. So the, what the regional office I walked into had like a team of post-deployment doctors and they would set you up on a post-deployment exam to where you went in one day and you seen every different section from physical to orthopedics to mental to uh, ear, nose and throat to every single individual specialty that they have up there. And yeah, so each one of them. Shop. Yeah, that's the way it happened for me. And the DAV set that up for me so I wouldn't have – because I live two hours away from my closest VA, regional VA office. Right. And they set, they set that up for me so I could get that all done at one time. Well, it worked out because, I mean, when I come out, they had 17 different medical diagnoses <laughs> for me to get claimed on from the VA. Dang. Awesome. <laughs> you know, wow. and so, yeah, and I, I – 
I filed for that, but like I said, it still took them four years. And the DAV also led me on to something that's called a uh, individual unemployable. Uh-huh. And I had come home, man. I was working factory life. The Army was like, piss on you. You're done. Bye. So for four years, I come home and work the factory life and work midnights, work 12, 16 hours a day just to take care of my kids. <laughs> and I had to uh, quit working that, man, because the knee, my knees, I blew my knees out over in Afghanistan along with the shrapnel. That was part of my discharge. I tore a bunch of ligaments in my right knee, and it's it's given me hell ever since. But uh, when um, I had to get off that concrete floor, you know, I got attacked to my DAV vet uh, representative and asked him, you know, what's the deal? What's going on here? And I said, I need to know, you know, this is starting to suck. These people are getting on my nerves. I mean, I just couldn't be around a crowd of people. And that's the way it was in a factory. And, and I couldn't walk on them hard-ass concrete floors. So he said, mm-hmm. hey, there's this thing called individual unemployability. If you file for it, they got to pay you at the 100% rate for so long until they deem you can either find a job or if you're unable to be unemployed still, then you uh, uh, will get paid at the 100% rate until they find, you know, your next trading. Well, I went in and about 18 months after they they actually approved me for that within a few months, he sent that paperwork in and that was a big surprise. So they paid me at 100% disability rate and they uh, sent me in about 18 months later and I got this younger psychologist dude that was kind of like, hey, I don't want you to bring up any old stories. You kind of seem like you're doing good in life now. You, you know, you look good, you look healthy, you look like you're taking care of things. How about we just make this permanent and total and just set you down. You don't have to worry about it again. So I kind of lucked out on that end, man. So really did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that was a 30 minute. Yeah. That was a 30 minute visit, you know, and that was a younger dude. That was a younger generation of kids that respected what we did, obviously. And that was working for the VA. He hadn't been in. He was a psychologist is what he went to school for. And he was just like, you know, Hey, you did your thing. We appreciate it. Thank you. Here's what I'm going to do for you. Well, and he probably and he probably knows, you know, that um, you know, sitting you down and being like, okay, well, let's let's talk about your experiences, and 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 knows that like talking about your experiences. My uncle went through the same thing. Like he said, when he would go to those group therapies and he was forced to talk about shit that went down in Vietnam, that he would just relive those moments, and it really was no help to him. And that he, no. you know, he it was just it was just continuing on. And exactly. making the memory more alive, you know what I mean? And right, uh, right. Always at a struggle. So uh, I mean, that 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 that's good that he recognized that and understands, you know, say because right, right. honestly, like honestly, like you can look at you can look at paperwork from you know anybody that deployed during that time frame and say, okay, you were in this area during this time frame. This was your job, um, mm-hmm. and he, I can look at your awards and be like, oh, okay, so you definitely saw some shit. Right, you know, and 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 call it what it is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, and he noticed that, and and I appreciated, you know, appreciated that from him, you know, a lot. But because at the at the time, I was at a point to where I couldn't talk that much about it. I really couldn't. Yeah. And now I've I found later twenty years, you know, sixteen twenty years down the road, I've kind of got to where I I could I feel myself, my closer buddies I'm with around home, my brother, things like that where I'm starting to talk about things more because it's starting to relieve more off me now and to where it don't bring up bad memories. But I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, what little casualties that we personally had with us. Right. And I think if we would have had more casualties, you know, with us, then it might be a completely different story. 
for sure. Because you know, yeah, we got lucky. Because you know, like we said, our our coastal deployment helped, and we knew we had each other's backs. We lived that time in Germany with each other. I mean, because yeah, I was married at the time, folks. Even if y'all listen to this, but I partied with the boys in the barracks all the time. They were <laughs> my dudes, or they come to the house. I mean, it's the way it was. We went to the Rock for Brick and everywhere oh, yeah. else. The Rock yeah, Corner. Man. I mean, what was it? Oh, the Rock what Corner. Oh my God! Uh, do y'all remember the tall blonde from her from there? No, that was I, uh, oh. drunk. I was drunk a lot. <laughs> oh my God! You say tall blonde? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the tall blonde headed chick. Oh Jesus! There's like 98 million of them. What are you talking about? Well, she was the only one. She well during our time there, she was the bartender there at the Rock Corner, and that's she, oh man, she was something else. I'll say that. There was only <laughs> one female German that I had an eye on when I was down there. Uh, she worked at the Internet Cafe. She brunette. Oh, oh I'm going to that place. She um, really she didn't. Oh, man. Brunette, German. <laughs> oh man, she was really good. Looking. Anyway, let's let's not neither here nor there. You know, so, I uh, remember I remember going to that place and trying to type on their damn keyboard and like you know because their keyboard is not laid out the same way ours is. No, you know what I'm saying? Because like the uh, what is it? The fucking oh man. So like where the X is, uh, I'm looking at it now actually. So where the X like <laughs> so it's the the letters are all over the. I mean they're they're mostly in the same place. But like as you're typing along, like you'll accidentally you'll hit a letter that's like, wait a second, that's not the letter that needs to be in there. <laughs> um, yeah, man. And, and so this, you know, you go back to like 2000, you know, uh, I guess we were hitting that hitting that place up, you know, oh two, oh three, early oh four. Oh four. At the time, yeah. yeah. At the time, you know, what I'm saying that was that was the internet. You went to a place that had the internet, and you would get on there, and you would send emails, and you would update your MySpace. And and, my and, and all that. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's what you did. You know what I'm saying? That's where you had to go to a place that we had computers in the barracks, but those computers were not for the internet because we didn't have the internet in the barracks. Those computers no. were for like watching movies. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There some people had internet. And I think Dougie Fresh had internet, or somebody well, had course, like a really of course, nice computer. Yeah, no, yeah, he had a he had a gaming setup. You know what I mean? Yeah. Him, him, yeah. and uh, him and Paget and a few others. They had a, they had gaming setup, but like. You know, we we weren't we weren't gamers. You know what I mean? We weren't on there playing no, like no, whatever we, fantasy bullshit. You know what I'm saying? We were no. drinking. We were drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, my first time. You know, I lived in the barracks before because my wife left. I had a house. You know, a lot of y'all come to the house and hung out. Well, my, it was just me. She was gone and back to Tennessee. When we come back from Kosovo, so. We partied at my house a lot, and then we went back to the barracks. I, was, I slept at the barracks more if I did in my house, I think, <laughs> more than anywhere. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty <sighs> awesome, man. So, so since then, though, right, so, so you, you got your rating and all of that, you know, eventually worked out, um, and, and it sounds like six figures worked out pretty well for you. Um, it, it worked out really good, man. No, don't get me wrong. I don't make nothing like that every every, every year, but you know yeah, that's what sure. my back pay was for sure. And yeah, you know it, so, it's so it's uh, livable. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, but so let me. And I know you kind of touched on it a little bit, like you know, just now being able to kind of talk about things and being able to get it out there, which mm-hmm. you know, which is is one of the. Uh, when when Tyree and I first started talking about doing this, it really it you know. 
it's it's almost selfish to say, but like it wasn't one of our initial um, intentions was to help other people be able to open up and talk about this stuff. Um, right. Because he and I, you know, we've talked about it. Um, uh-huh. You know, my best friend Tyree's also good friends with you know her her, her husband, and so we right. would you know all the four of us would get on and we play Call of Duty and you know sometimes we talk about shit in Germany or in Iraq or wherever. Right. And right. so I I think that there was a level of comfort in talking about that stuff. It, group and what we wanted to do is is be able to you know put this stuff down i mean like we've discussed in previous episodes where we want to talk about like you know we we want to we want to let people know that your regular everyday soldier did some shit too and i mean don't get me wrong man cool guys got cool stories but like we weren't cool dudes man we were nothing to write home about but like we were out there doing it you know what i mean um and i and and so since we've been doing this, I mean, this is going to be episode six, and in the first in the first couple of episodes, we've had people contact us. I mean, directly or through other people, and letting us know that like what we're doing is helping them be able to talk about the shit that they went through, and right. to be able to open up about it. And dude, that is insane. And yeah, like we're like yeah, dude, that that is like we're, uh, we're so yeah. happy that that's that's how it's going. Yeah, I well, I highly commend y'all for this, man. I mean, because I think y'all get a lot more contacts also because folks, you know, people that you feel comfortable around, I mean, this is my opinion, my perspective, don't get me wrong, you may not feel this way, but I feel like folks they get around a certain security of people, a band of brothers as we were, mm-hmm. you know, as you call it, you could call us and you feel more comfortable to open up. I mean, you want to talk about your stories. I mean, you want to talk about the things you lived your memories of. Cause you know, we were our young twenties, man. And that was the mm-hmm. greatest years of our life, bro. You know, it yeah. was, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade anything in the world and I'd go back straight back to combat with you guys again today. There would be oh, no absolutely. Absolutely. No question about it. You know, no hesitation. I'd go with you guys. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know you, you and know. the knees, man. I might, I might. <laughs> hey, my knees are hold hey. up. Hey, I tell you what, I can still get out. Even after I got hurt, I could still be eighty percent of the people in my company on my PT test. Hey, we, right hey, on. well, we, we, we'll, so we'll, we'll put you in the gun truck though. We'll put you right back in the turret, man. Now you got to be all right because I love fucking <laughs> shit up in the fifties, <laughs> dude. It was so awesome watching that, man. I, oh, dude, there was some of my fondest memories is on yeah. that gun and just lighting in the top of buildings, man. It was, it was pretty spectacular. Yeah, yeah I bet. Just to I mean, back a bit on what we were saying here, um, yeah. It's important to talk. It's important mm-hmm. to yes. talk, man. Like you can't hold it really shit is. in. No, you don't know who uh, of your friends could use somebody to just talk to. You really yeah. can't, man. You know, you know. Poor uh, y- y'all. Y'all spoke about Billy Jack. I, I God rest his soul. You know, yeah. I hate yeah. hate everything there and having that. But you know, maybe you know exactly just people to talk to. Somebody else. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you needed somebody to talk to, and and those people are are around, man. We have yeah. I, anybody Facebook, look me Instagram. up. I'm on Facebook. Yeah, I'm here to talk to for anybody. I don't care who it is. Any time of the night. Yeah, yeah no. Even, on, even on, if it's somebody you didn't even like, man, hit that person. Exactly. Up. Yeah, on that note, man, for real, for real, like hit us up on the Facebook page before I forget, um, or you know, find me on Instagram um, with underscore valor underscore. You know, Tyree on Instagram, the you know, the, the mighty one two six. Like if 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 you need somebody to talk to and you don't feel comfortable talking to your people, it's like I mean, because that's the thing, man. Like the military, like we are a family. Just because I don't know you personally, just because we wore a different uniform when we did our jobs, 
doesn't mean that we're not brothers and sisters in arms. And that's exactly that's what this is. You know what I'm saying? Like we exactly. are a community and that community has to take care of each other because Lord knows, you know, uh, the people that are supposed to be taking care of the veterans aren't doing it, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're Um, already talking about trying to cut the, you know, the benefits for, you know, the social security and the veterans, you know, it's already been talked around in the, you know, upper echelon of folks. So we got to stick together. Yeah, man. I mean, listen, the, 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 the veteran suicide rate is, is increasing, right? It it was 22 a day. It is increasing. It's getting more and more and more and more. Now 22 a day, like we all know, is just an average. It's just an average, you know, X amount of veterans per the year, Divided by 365 and a quarter, 22 a day. That number is going up. We need that right. number to go the opposite direction. And the way we do that is we talk to each other. We ask yes. each other, what's up, man? How's it going? We stay in contact after we, we come home. Just like we mentioned in the last episode uh, with our, um, our, our homies in the Marine Corps. You know what I'm saying? Like one of them said, man, we've been talking about stories that we haven't talked about since. And that's, that's what this is about. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, because those, all in all, you're back here. Ninety, you know, ninety percent of us are have good memories and good stories about it. So that's yeah. going to help you bring yourself back to yourself of who you originally was. If you fell into mm-hmm. a funk, if you fell into no, anything, you know, that is one hundred percent right. Um, you know, I, you know, <clears throat> that'll help you come back. When I when I came home, man. So, and I think I talked about this before, but like, you know, we came home in like February uh, 14th, uh, 04 or 05, right? 90 days later, uh, June 1st, I'm back in Arkansas, right? The only people in my family who, who served, I mean, who served in combat was my uncle. Um, Mm -hmm. And he didn't live near us. He gave my parents a book, you know, how to live with somebody with PTSD. My parents read that book and they kind of followed it. They allowed me the time to to uh, transition to kind of decompress and to have those moments, um, but it wasn't. And and this is this is this is no discredit to what my family did to help me, but this it, it wasn't enough. I needed support from people that knew what it was that I I had gone through. I went to the VFW and um, and I have a whole bone to pick with the VFW. They need yes. to revamp their shit. We don't play bingo. Yes. We don't play no. fucking bingo anymore, okay? So VFW, if you ever happen to listen to this, revamp your shit. Put a gym in there. Put a gaming center in there. We don't play bingo. Fix that shit. But I went to the VFW, and, you know, it's cool to listen. It's, it's cool to sit down. The, the oldest guy in there was a World War II uh, veteran, uh, infantry guy. You know, and he had some cool stories, the Korean War vets, the Vietnam vets, the Persian Gulf vets. They all had great stories, but it, there was no connection other than we right. served. And, right. and it, it, it didn't work for me. So fortunately, like Tyree and I, we, we stayed in contact and um, I tried to stay in contact with other people. I mean, I used to go out to, to, you know, to California and see Tyree and we'd, we'd go out and mm-hmm. fuck up Las Vegas or whatever the shit. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> And that, that definitely helped, man. But like, you know, coming back into the reserves and being able to be around military people in uniform uh, for me was a huge benefit. And if, 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 if this podcast helped one person, one, just one fucking person, if, if they listen to this and they're like, yeah, man, I'm not alone in this journey. I'm not alone in this transition. Um, then fuck, dude, like mission accomplished. You know what I mean? Right, right. It's important. Exactly. Uh, <clears throat> we all raised our hand to, to sign up for this shit. Yeah. Um, but 
we are the only people, in my opinion, that can ever sit down and talk to each other and, and get to the root issue of our feelings about stuff. We got to get over the fact that we don't want to talk about feelings about shit, too. Yeah, true. Like, huge, you got to open up. A huge stigma about that, right? You got to open up that box. You got to open yeah, up yeah. that box. You got to, yeah, sometimes you got to scratch off that scab, I guess. And, and yeah, it, it's painful, man. It's not easy. It, it's not easy at all. Like, it, I, it took me years to even get to the point that I was comfortable talking about certain things. It was hard to talk about quieter. Uh, uh, yeah. A few nights ago, we talked about it. There's so many yeah, other man, stories that, that are hard to, yeah. to even get into. For me, it really is. There was nobody <laughs> who I can talk to about it. We're infantry. Yeah, people. y'all was, we're infantry men. Yeah, right. Y'all was you right know, around. We're that infantry men, writer. so we we, yeah. we can we should be able to talk to each other about it because we experienced exactly it. right. Experienced and, the same uh, thing. <laughs> I was on top of the gun right behind it when it happened on top of the Humvee. I was right yeah. behind it. You know. It, mm. oof. Shittiest front row seats ever, man. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to see shit like that, man. Like you don't, you no, just don't want to experience that. And unfortunately, no, uh, we did. And you know, it's important to definitely tell shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Because other people did no, too. We weren't the only ones who I- I- experienced shit like no, that. No, we wasn't. Saying? No, you know, no. maybe I mean, maybe you not know, under those so circumstances. But you know, we from the our um, unit there. Has anybody talked to the guy? You know that that. That uh, that all happened with. I mean, is he okay? Is he, you know? Yeah, no. Um, uh, I don't. He he's he's kind of off the grid as far as social media is concerned. But he, um, yeah. last I heard, I mean, he he was he was working through it. Um, and it's been it's Good. been it's it's, been, it's been some years. I hope I hope yeah. he's doing well. Um, Tyree, are you in contact with him? Anything from him? Um, years ago? And I've yeah. reached out to him multiple times. Uh, some people, you know. Under the, under, I mean, because you know that I, I can't, under, I can't loop, explain man. why people do certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not in his shoes. I can't tell you how he feels about it. I reached out to him. I had conversations years ago. Yeah, um, I just I, I, I reached out okay. recently. Yeah, I hope he's all right too, man. Fucking, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not I, an easy I'd thing to, to deal be... with. But no, it's it, not. It's, you got to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. it's it's that's <laughs> well, you know, and and for people listening, for for people listening um i would highly recommend reading these two books um and this ties into what we're talking about there's two books one is called on killing and the other one is called on combat they're written by uh retired lieutenant colonel dave grossman um armies he was a a psychologist that was his degree he was in the military uh, ranger tab all that good stuff and he his on combat one of the things that he talks about or on killing i'm sorry in his first book on killing he he coins the term killology, which is the study of teaching people to kill other people. Because typically for a species, it's it's not within a species to kill its own. Like you'll see two rams right. butting heads over um, a, a female, right? They're not butting heads to kill each other. They're butting heads mm-hmm. to, you know, to, to prove who is the alpha. I mean, and that's just how the animal kingdom works works and, and and as humans we are part of that animal kingdom so it's not exactly. it's not within us to naturally be able to kill another human if you are capable of doing that just without any kind of training by definition you're a sociopath um yes. and so we have the training when we go when we go to the ranges we're shooting at silhouettes of humans we're looking at that so w- when we're in combat 
we're in our sights and, and what we're looking at is the silhouette of a human. We don't see the facial features generally, usually. Exactly. We're not so seeing we're, the soul of the person. Right. We're just seeing what looks like the targets that we see in training. And so we're very easily able to pull that trigger. So one of the things that he talks about is uh, guilt displacement, right? So if I'm the squad leader or the team leader and I tell a soldier to, hey, shoot that guy over there and he shoots that guy, that soldier can say to himself, well, I pulled the trigger, but I was commanded to do so. So the guilt is being displaced on the team leader or squad leader. And then the squad leader or whoever can say, well, yes, I gave the command to kill that person, but I didn't pull the trigger. So it's guilt displacement in both directions. And right. both of those books kind of go into that. Uh, On Combat is more about the psychological and physiological effects of a high-stress situation before, during, and after it happens. Um, it's a beautiful book. That book actually taught me a lot about what I was experiencing and helped I'm me get through it yeah, it's a great book, dude. It really did like because my, my the PTSD that I had um, that I was dealing with um, was a struggle to me. It was confusing to me. I didn't know what the fuck was going. I didn't know why I was angry all the time. I didn't know why I needed to be constantly drunk or why yeah, I was I, awake all the time. I was um, angry all the time too. I couldn't. I didn't understand that. Yeah, um, that yeah, book. I mean, that book. That book dials it in, man. If you if you work. Uh, in, in law enforcement, fire, EMT, military, any job that's a like that, read that book on combat. That's good to know. I got to read that. Yeah, it's great, man. Um, and you. and and you know, not to plug my state, but he is from Arkansas, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. Hey, I go there every every winter to duck hunt, baby. So where at? Where you go? I love it. Uh, down in Blackfield. Up stuck dark, a couple different places. Well, no shit, man. You're hunting on my dad's yes, land. Sir. My dad's my my dad's from Blackville. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sweet, sweet. Where I still got some. Oh, I hell, I don't remember, man. The way <laughs> the way the way he tells it, it's all one big ass cotton patch. You know what I mean? It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when right, so, what is life after the uh, military for you now? What are you doing? What what is uh what's been now? Good? What what everything's been good now, man. Actually, uh, uh, fiance, I'm engaged now. We've been together for about six years. Woo! And- she. Hang on a second now. She said yes to you? Yeah, yeah. She said yes to me. All right. Hang on a second. Now, last I saw, you got a a beard going. Oh, man. it's Yeah, I trimmed it a little bit, but it's getting even longer now. Yeah, so she said yes to the beard, right? And she said yes to the uh, Viking hair. I got about six foot ponytail in the back of my head. Yeah, yes. Right now? Hell yeah. Yes, sir. Hell yeah. Man, I would say (laughs) if I grow my hair out. Hey, Give me some, uh, some, some uh, drip. In, into that, in, in, into that, I say skull. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what else, man? So you're engaged? Yeah, man. We just uh, recently uh, uh, working on a house, getting uh, bought a house uh, in five and a half acres, getting it ready to go, man. Kind of redoing, flipping house. I like doing that stuff. I just kind of sit back and go down there, work on the house, be ready in about six weeks. We'll be moving in and. Hopefully in another five years, be buying the 45 acres behind me. So I like to hunt and sit back and chill and just enjoy life now, man. I mean, you know, that, that like I said, that uh, the guy who set me down, the uh, um, psychiatrist or whoever set me down and told me, you know, we're, we're going to make it right with you. It's, that's what he did for me. And it allowed me to do that. And that's my passion. That's my getaway. Yeah. I like to get out in the woods and I like to go hunt, man. I deer hunt a lot. I'm an avid hunter and I stay outside at all times. I fish and 
you know, I still like to pull the trigger. I sit out here. I like to build uh, certain things. I mean, that go boom, boom. And, you know, I do that <laughs> as a hobby a little bit. I buy yeah. parts and I build my own. So, yeah, that's, that's one of the big deal I do. And that's, that's a release I have. Is I like to get out on the range and shoot. So I was just going to ask you, uh, what is it that you do to kind of maintain that peace of mind? You know, because, you know, you, you, you go back 10, 15 years ago and we were angry, right? At anything, oh, at right. everything. Mm, yes. um, I, my, my best friend said that uh, she saw anger in me that which she's never seen in another person before. She said she looked into my eyes and I there was nobody there. She said, oh, my, and I have, I have blue eyes. For those of you wondering, I have beautiful blue eyes. Uh, they're probably the best blue eyes you'll ever see. Um, and she, she said, she said she saw nothing but fucking black and anger, and that's black I hate anger. that. I hate that's that, hard to right? believe because yeah, I'm not an angry uh, person. Yeah, you never um, have, you never was. You have a never angry person. Yeah, man. So, so, so to keep your peace, you uh, you get out there in nature, and you know, there's a lot of science that backs that up, right? Yeah, there is. There's a lot of science that backs it up, man. There's nothing more I have at peace than sitting back. I mean, I've got about five, six guys that we got a little duck club, a little hunting club going, and there's nothing like just sitting back in a duck blind or in a deer stand and just watching nature, God's country do its thing, man. It, it's oh, so yeah. beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. and that's my peace. That's my serenity and my peace. And that's that's what I get that's what I get off get out of the way from. Yeah. Get off my head. You know, and that's that's it. I, I release everything looking at that beautiful sunset coming over those trees or over that water every time. Now, hey, you said sunset. I got got you a question, man. Um, Which is better, a sunset or a sunrise? Uh, I'd have to say a morning morning duck hunt sunrise over the top of the water would probably be better. But I don't know. I I did see the most beautiful sunset ever in Iraq, actually. Man. I think that depends on where you live, man. Because personally, I would prefer a sunset over a city. It looks cool to me true that's a good point that's a that's a valid point i've never i've never considered that i'm a, i'm a sunrise kind of person which is ironic to me because i i hate waking up early um but mm. the sunrise to me and you know so to me you know sunrise and sunset it has this like this like external beauty about it right like this what you're visually seeing in front of you right the sun rising mm-hmm. over the horizon starting the new day you got the Know, the, the fog or the dew and all of that but then the sunset you know what i'm saying the the the, the cool of the night starts to set in um and, and you've got all the, the dust particles in the air so it makes the sky just light up into these beautiful colors um and it's the end of the day on a philosophical level i mean you could look at it as like you know a sunrise is i woke up to another beautiful day and i get to exist for one more day which when right. we were living in iraq or when you you know when you were in afghanistan that was that was a lot. That was everything, right? Like I get to see another day. Right. You know, when the sun sets on the on the philosophical level, it's like okay, day complete. All right, uh, we'll see what tomorrow brings. So for to me, to me, I, I definitely think that like sunrises are where it's at for me. Um, just just, no, just both of those, just both of those in mind. I but is the kind of person I am. Like the, maybe back in the day when I was angry, a sunrise is like the start of some bullshit. Oh yeah, the sunset is the end of some bullshit. Yeah, and well, it's you just were also a cop That's how years. I felt back then. That's how. What's that? Yeah. And you were also a cop for thirteen years. So I mean, it has a oh, lot man. to do with that. I bet yeah. you. It's... Yeah, yeah. How was that experience, by the way, in LAPD? Yeah, <laughs> it was different. 
I, I, I bet it was fun. I, like I said, I did it for 13 years. I worked patrol. I worked. Uh, I worked on Skid Row for a long time. Mm. Uh, oh wow! I worked domestic violence for a long time. Um, worked a bunch of different divisions. I had fun. I wouldn't. I, if I had my way to do uh, things differently, I would not do it exactly how I did it. And uh, right, you know, that's life. Yeah, yeah that's I life. enjoyed it that's though, cool. man. It was. It was. That's uh, good. I, it, I could have. I'd have stories for days and days. That's awesome. That's shit that I've done with right. them. It's the same kind of feeling I get from uh, some of the things I've done with you with you guys. The same right, kind of right. feeling I get with the police, except you know, clearly not as brutal on my end. Right, right. Uh, now, I still, Tyree, some pretty brutal shit. <laughs> yeah, you were now you were on the force with some blue spaders, though, weren't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, really? That's awesome. A couple guys. No, they weren't, I'm not going to name. Bravo. I'm not going to name any of them because they they're still out there in the streets. And, yeah. You know. Well, right. For no, sure. No, for sure. Yeah. For sure. yeah. <clears throat> so so awesome. so today, I mean, you're out there working on the house and uh, out in the woods doing the thing. Now I got to ask you. So as far as hunting goes, what's your what do you what do you what's your what's your preference? What do you like to hunt? No, uh, my preference would be duck hunting. Yeah. I deer hunt, duck hunt a lot. Yeah, that's my main two. I ain't never been duck hunting. I went squirrel hunting once. Uh, oh, really? So, so here's the thing, man. I, I'm you're from Arkansas, and you're a duck hunting. I don't man, know. you're you're about to be so <laughs> mad at me. I, so, I, I I did not grow up fishing. I did not grow up on. Um, we went fishing a couple times. My biggest fish was like fucking three inches long, a little sunfish. Um, <laughs> the most fish I ever caught in my life was just a couple, like a month and a half ago, uh, with some trot lines. We caught fifteen uh, catfish. Um, mm-hmm. That was the first time for me to ever fucking uh, skin and clean a fish too. At 39 oh, wow. years old, yeah, it's it's pretty <laughs> terrible. But when it comes to uh, when it comes to hunting, when it comes to being behind a rifle and shooting an animal, I've had uh, I'm I'm a big animal lover, so it's been difficult. It's been right. difficult for me I to do that. that. Which and and people kind of find that kind of funny, and and I do too, right? Because when I was in Iraq, I had zero problems uh, pulling the trigger, right? Because right, fuck it, you know what I mean. You're a human. You've decided to do what you're about to do. Animals yeah, is I out mean, there doing animal shit. Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. I understand there's a lot of people that way, which, you know, that's that's, that's <laughs> a release for me, though. That kind of relieves back to, I guess, it reminded me of time in pulling trigger. I mean, that's yeah. what it lets me do. And, it, and it's a relief for me, as oddly as that may seem. And then, you know, some folks may label me a sociopath right now. Which is fine with me. I don't care. But yeah. that man, that's, that's what I was going to say, man. What did Bambi do to you, damn it? Watch. Yeah, Bambi, take a, take Bambi a camera and good shoot in, some shoot some pictures. How about that? Hey, Bambi I, is good in my tummy. I, yeah, you're absolutely right. Deer meat is the way to go. So I am I am going deer hunting uh, this year. I've got my fucking my optics dialed in. Um, I'm just waiting for my alarm to say, "Hey, it's deer season. Let's go." It's deer um, season. That's awesome. Yeah, I've been tr- honestly. I've been trying to go the last couple of years, but um, every time. I I I I get set up to go hunting on somebody's land. They always fall through, so I'm just going out into the uh, the Ozark National Forest and hoping and praying or whatever the shit that I don't get shot by uh, you know some drunk ass hunter. <laughs> be careful in the public hunt lands. Hell yeah, that's man. what I'd be afraid well, of. Really, I, when it comes Kevin, down to Kevin, if you uh, if you ever really want to go, you need to come down to Tennessee to hear me. I've got 200 acres of deer farm that I manage and hunt on. I've been no, okay. All right, then. For eight years, I've got more deer than you could ever dream of. There you Man, go. Road trip. Uh, that, 
That might be a thing. Hell yeah. Come on, brother. I'll, I'll take you anytime. Anytime you want to duck hunting, I'll meet you up in Arkansas. I'll take you duck hunting too. Yeah, I'm telling you, I've, I've never been. I've, like I said, I went squirrel hunting once. Um, so when I was a kid, I got bit by a squirrel and I've had a little vendetta against squirrels the whole time. <laughs> this motherfucker bit my finger and hung on for dear life. I had blood spurting out of my damn finger. It was terrible. Oh. Um, yeah. So ever since then, man, like this has been. Like, like OJ. On. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been on against squirrels, man. I went, I shot two squirrels. One, man, one fell into the hollow of a tree, couldn't retrieve it. The other one fell from the branch it was on into this, like, uh, this, like, thicket, you know what I'm saying, that I couldn't get into. Yeah. I was like, Son of a bitch, man. But you know what? <laughs> That's two squirrels to terrorize people. That's how I saw it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. But- that's awesome. That's awesome. But that's pretty much what I do after life in the military now, man. And I mean, I love it. That's my serenity just to get through things. But like I said, you know, I think most of it to help me get through things through everything is still talking about it. You know, what y'all have created here is podcasts, you know, listen to stories. I love that. That's uh, it releases so much just to hear it and talk about it. Man, that's yeah. awesome. That that literally like gave me made my nipples hard. Do you know what I mean? Uh, oh, Johnson, don't get <laughs> yeah. it started. You Hell know what's yeah. wild though? You know what's really wild? What's is, that? Uh, we have oh, it's episode six. Okay. Yeah. What is that? That's almost uh, in some cases almost damn near twelve hours of us talking. Twelve hours. We haven't even hours. scratched the surface of the deep shit that we've done. No, There's no so many fights that we haven't even so gotten into. So many. No. Yeah. I mean, we've touched the outside of different couple different ones, and that's it. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, man. It's, it's just, I remember, you know, I remember speaking of fights. I remember one time it was our command team. We had been hit at one point in time, one night before, and Captain Rockefeller and uh, the first sergeant wanted to go out to uh, – um, where we had been hit at, and they just didn't want no Bradleys, didn't want to scare nobody, just wanted the command team to go out in the Humvees, and we took off on a mission out, and he just wanted to go talk to the homeowners and, you know, assess the damage, because, you know, as a command team gunner and uh, as the headquarters squad there, we used to drive to Crit like once a week, every mm-hmm. every 14 days or so, and we'd pick up log pack for you guys sometimes when we could from their defects, if y'all remember that. Yeah, thank you to me. That's all thanks to me. Thank you all, because I raised hell with Captain Rock. <laughs> but appreciate it. Uh, Much appreciate uh, it. But but at the times, you know, we would go up there and sign for a million dollars in provision at, at every ten days or so, and come back with it. And you know, all the damage we've done to them—that's money we poured out in them communities. You know, you know, and that's something people don't hear about, right? Exactly. Like they know that we were over there fighting, right? And 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 that's I think all these anti-war folks. You know, that's one thing they're they're mad about, right? It's like over there right. destroying their country, destroying their buildings, killing their people. But like we Where weren't we doing everything. it. We weren't doing it intentionally. We weren't intentionally mm-hmm. destroying buildings. We weren't intentionally killing people. I mean, bad people. We were definitely intentionally killing those motherfuckers. Fuck yes. every one of them. But like we were trying to help. Do you remember? We would go out and buy we we went to a shop and we bought out all of the fucking kids shoes that they had and handed them out to local kids just all so that they yes. could have shoes we we found that. these kids out there playing fucking soccer we went and bought we, they were playing soccer with a flat soccer ball we went mm-hmm. and bought a bag of soccer balls for them i remember that you know what i mean this was yep. cuz i mean it was it was the hearts and minds store right that, that's what i like to refer to it as we were trying to show these people that, yeah, I mean, you can call us infidel because we don't believe the same way you believe, but like, 
we we want to help. We don't want yes. to kill. Uh, we want to kill bad people. We want to get the bad well, people out. We don't want to destroy your buildings. We don't want to kill you. We want right. to do good by you. And I, th- I I hope I hope that that message was what you know was relayed to you know some of them. I, I surely some of them it was. I mean, that, we, but we, I mean, please understand. One hundred percent. Like, uh, yeah, we're there for hearts and minds, but cross that line and it's over. Game right. Time. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it goes no both doubt. ways. When I, when I when you say hearts and minds, like we're there to win the hearts and minds of people, but when shit goes south, we're also there to destroy the hearts and minds of the bad people. We are going to fucking cut out your heart, obliterate <laughs> <laughs> over you. that street. Because yes, we'll we'll fight with compassion and and with no remorse. And, you know, speaking on the psychological part, do y'all remember them showing us that video of the Taliban and their training yes. camp uh, before yes. our deployment? Yes, absolutely. When they, that, like, doing cartwheels and shit in the middle of the fucking wilderness? Or, or that, well, that, they were going that down wild dog to come running through? Yeah. Swinging on swings. Oh, I remember, man. I remember them showing us the, the video of the contractor getting his head cut off. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's like, really, yeah, no wonder you want to piss us off. It's just, and, you know, come to think about it, I mean, you, you're still on the trail there, Kevin. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. break, that's part of basic training. You know, I didn't understand it at that point, and I do now. That's their whole point of breaking you down and putting you in that mentality in infantry school. You're right. That's, that's what you're going to be doing, so you have to get in that mentality. No yeah. ifs, ands, mm-hmm. or buts about it. Yeah. You know, you're, I, we've seen – uh, and y'all heard of it. Uh, I mean, a couple of the strongest folks, men that you ever thought would never crack in your life crack. Yeah. And, you know, we you all got to be mentally tough. We all Yeah, do. we all do. You got to be mentally tough to be able to I don't care yourself back alpha, out of it, and it takes help. Yeah, I don't care how alpha you think you are, how how big and bad you think you are, we all crack. And that's yes. that's that's okay. That's absolutely oh, yeah. okay. You need to. Part of it. Yeah. <laughs> it it you makes you are what you are. Yeah, I yeah. still, you are I what still you break are. down over sometimes. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's shit that is uh, makes me think like, man, that's incredible. But again, that builds you up to what you are, and you are what you are, man. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. No, I mean, ain't nothing wrong with it. <laughs> no, not at all. Not yeah. at all. Who is not talking about it and holding that shit in, and then you go? That's smack exactly. That's what up, builds or, the anger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. The I mean, oh, I, exactly I got right. angry, anger at the stupidest shit. I mean, I, the the woman, I, the love of my life, I finally found my better half. You know, sitting in that living room right now, she's she's put up with the first two years we got together. We was still, you know, this was up till I mean, just four years ago, I finally got out to where I'm able to relieve my stress and calm down and not let everything anger me. And she put up a lot for me from two years that this girl didn't have to. And it's, you know, I'm thankful to God that she stayed around for. Yeah. Hell yeah. Shout man. out to Milton. You know. Shout out to wise man. My wife. Yeah. I mean, together you know, a lot of them got to put through years. a lot. Mm-hmm. Damn. Dang. 16 years already. Yeah. Man. Wow. Damn. We're not, we're not, uh, we're married for thir- 13. Oh, you better 14, remember that. But, you better uh, remember that. <laughs> Well, wow. 14, but yeah, been together for, for 16, so Dang, it ain't awesome. easy, man. Like, she no, she deals with a lot of shit because I dealt with a lot of shit. And, yeah, on the military uh, side and the cop side, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, a lot. No shit. It's a lot to deal with, man. Like, I've I bet been it is there. I've, to your wife for that. That's a strong woman. Man, yeah. she dealt with a lot, man. I'm 
That was the person punching walls and fucking yep. screaming yep. because I couldn't communicate properly. And it's still a struggle sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 struggle. it's always a struggle. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. man. Like that's and that's right. That's the boat that I found myself in. And here I am. I mean, I got my two dogs. They get me. Uh, awesome. <laughs> uh you know it, you know it, it is what it is though man i mean yeah you know uh but no that I, so and that's the other thing man is i'm i'm glad that here we are all these years later and you know we're not you know we have all of the people for the most part like you know you know what i mean like i don't i don't know i don't know how to say this like i'm just i'm just glad that those of us who are still here are still here and yes, I'm, I'm fucking sure. like when you talk about Billy I don't know if y'all know this but like you know Billy's Billy's last few years on this earth um, were were bad were were troubled um, he he uh, he got in trouble in Tulsa pulling a gun in a club uh, arrested all that stuff and I hate the fact that I can google his name and the only like one of the only photos that comes up is his mugshot, and he just yeah, he just he just and he looks miserable, man. Yeah, and I hate that dude because that's not Billy Jack. No, that wasn't you know, Billy Jack. um, and I I hate that he had to be on the meds that he had to be on, and I hate that those meds led led to where he currently is now. But um, right. you know, and, and with me not being a religious person, all I can say is that like I I truly hope that that he is in a better place. I, I know, I know he is, you know, because yeah, I know, I know his, I know his spirit. You know, we, we know Billy's spirit and yes, we know yes. that Billy is definitely out there fucking raising hell. Dance, dance over <laughs> yeah. Fire somewhere. Hell yeah, man. You know, fucking living it up. We man. love you, Billy and Jack. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, man. Fucking miss that guy every day. I, uh, I wear, I wear two memorial bracelets on my, on my left arm, Billy Jack and, and Chris Messer. And um, people ask me all the time, I don't know if I should ask about those. And I tell people, no, that's absolutely why we wear them. We wear them yeah. to, to keep their, their names alive, to remember their honor, them. To, to memorize yeah. their honor, you know, to yeah, make man. good. Exactly yeah, 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 I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that's what, that's what they're there for. So definitely, when and people listening, if you see people wearing those, I mean, politely ask, hey, are, mm-hmm. those, are those friends of yours? Do you mind telling me about them? We want that, man. Mm-hmm. We want to yeah. keep their names alive. And Don't we, let the we, fucking stories of your friends go away with with you no. when you go. Like absolutely, you need to tell those fucking stories. Everybody needs to hear those stories because the more you talk about it, the more they stay alive. They're, they they yep. they continue to live on. Yep. Yes. Yeah. It's the. Uh, have you ever heard of the three deaths? Uh, no. What is that? So the three deaths, right? The first one is when you. Um, learn and understand that one day you will die right so that's the first one the second death is the day you actually die and then the third death is when the your memory the memory of you dies so the last person that knew anything about you on this planet when they pass away and you're completely forgotten Mm-hmm. Not today, baby. We on this motherfucking podcast. <laughs> we still here. Yeah. And on yeah, that yeah, note, we're gonna yeah. end this show. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Richard, for fucking coming on, man. It was fucking hey, really good to talk was, to you. It was great to talk to you, gentlemen. Anytime, man. Give, I mean, anytime you want to. We've got a lot more we can talk about. So, Hell we yeah, man. 
scratch oh, services yeah. today. So, it, like you said, keep it going forever, man, and we can keep telling t- stories forever, bro. Hell yeah, and man. I'll get on here anytime we want to do it. So anytime y'all want to invite me, just give me a holler. Not a problem. Yeah, right on. So uh, everyone down. listening, please like, share, and subscribe. I can't stress share enough. Um, yeah. We have questions on these uh, um, podcasts so you can uh, answer them. So if we need to, it, things that we need to improve on, please tell us so we can make it better. Yeah, um, Im- improvements. If you have questions about things that we've talked about, uh, all of that stuff, man. Like, just I mean, interact with us. We we love it. Like, I don't know if you all look at the Facebook page. We if if there's a, a comment, a post, or something, we interact. We're there. Yeah. And then again, military veteran family, stay with us. Keep Absolutely. talking to us. Keep it out. Keep it going, and let's not stop it. I mean, yeah. Let's yeah. help everybody. Help Hell each yeah. other out. So, and gentlemen, great to talk to y'all. Hey, man, it was nice to talk to you. Love you, brother. Love you, man. Hell yeah, man. Y'all be good. All right, gentlemen. Take care of yourself. Take care. All right, and uh, listeners, thanks for listening in, and y'all have a a good day or night or whatever it is you're listening to this. So long. (laughs) So long. Peace out. The end.